This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Houston, we have a problem. That phrase was made famous because the astronauts in Apollo 13 in 1970, when they discovered an explosion that sacrificed their uh, space station, that was uh, what they said to the mission control system in Houston, Texas. Houston, we have a problem. Now, if you look it up and you really study it, you see they said something more akin to um, we have a problem here, Houston, um, but over the years, it's translated now into, when I said that, you're like, I've heard that before. Houston, we have a problem. This morning, we're talking about a problem that needs to be solved. There's something broke that needs to be fixed. Indeed, there's something dead that needs to be made alive. There's something wrong that needs to be made Right. Uh, This morning, we're talking about uh, the problem with the culture in our homes. We're talking about the problem with the culture in our homes. Now, what's culture? What is culture? Culture is what's experienced. Culture is what's what's real. That's what what culture is. So if you came into somebody's home this this morning, you might experience a culture of mess. And that's what you would experience. Any, any cultures of mess this way? And in other homes, you would experience a culture of order because somebody in the family is OCD. Or they just like order and they have everything in its right place. Others of us, if you walked into some homes, you would find a, a culture of, of arguing, while in other homes, you would find a culture of peace. In some homes, you would find a culture of the University of Tennessee volunteers. You would see orange and white, that ridiculously gaudy orange (laughs) and white. And you better not call and you better not pop in for a visit on particular Saturdays in the fall at a particular time if the UT balls because there is a culture of the UT volunteers. In, in some of our homes, um, you would come in, you would find a culture of video gaming. Because, man, when you come into the home, that's what you experience. That's what's real. It seems like any time of the day, somebody's playing a video game. What is, what is culture? It's what, it's what we experience. It's, it's what's real. What shapes culture? How does culture come about? Uh, culture comes about by what we promote what we celebrate, and what we permit. In other words, in some of our homes this morning, if you walked in, you would find a a culture of mess because that's what we've permitted. We've allowed it. In other words, there's been no authority figure in the home that said, no, 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 our home's not going to be a mess. We've allowed it. Others of us, if you came into some of our homes, um, you would see it's it's a culture of the University of Tennessee Vols because it's what we promote, right? 
right? Game's coming up, coming Saturday, what are we going to eat, right? We're promoting what's happening. Indeed, we're celebrating, right? When there's a win, we're cheering. We're yelling at the TV. We're yelling at the quarterback. We're yelling at the running back. We're celebrating what's happening, and that cultivates the culture. It's, it's what we promote. It's what we celebrate. It's what we, it's what we permit. Some of our, some of our homes, uh, the culture is a culture of arguing, because it's what we permit. It's what we permit. So the culture of all of our homes this morning could be described in a number of ways, right? You walk into homes, you, you camp out, you spend the night at homes, you're going to experience a number of, of cultural characteristics in our homes. And where does that come from? Well, it comes, it comes from what we promote, what we celebrate, and then what we permit. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? That like the culture of our home is what it is because we've permitted it to be that. We've not resisted it and cultivated something differently. Well, here's the problem that we're looking at this morning. Here's, are you ready for this? This is the problem. Too many of our homes do not have a culture of prayer. And that's a problem. That's a problem that needs to be solved. That's something twisted that needs to be made straight that's something dead that needs to be made alive that's something wrong that needs to be made right too many of our homes do not have a culture of prayer so we could say it this way this morning Houston we have a problem (laughs) we all know it's a problem at least most of us know it's a problem right because we see all through the scripture this exhortation to pray In in Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a parable to the end that we ought always to pray. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul exhorted the Christians, pray without ceasing. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul told the congregation, cast your anxieties to the Lord. In other words, replace your anxiety with prayer. Most of us here this morning know it's a problem that our homes are not dominated or saturated or shaped by a culture of prayer. The, 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 uh, in this short sermon series on prayer, um, I've been seeking to inspire and equip our congregation uh, toward that end of, of, of prayer. In the first week in this sermon series, we looked at the disciples' request to Jesus, teach us to pray. Now, I love that. I just absolutely love that because here's... here's the guys that walked with Jesus. Like they were really, really close to Jesus. They heard Jesus' teaching. They saw Jesus' miracles. They were with him morning, noon, and night. And you would think if anybody knew how to pray, it was the disciples. Indeed, many of them would have had religious backgrounds that would have included prayer before they even encountered Jesus. So you would think that they would feel pretty confident, pretty comfortable with the action of prayer. And yet in, in Luke 11... The disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, teach us to pray. Now, the reason I love that is because I feel like I can say that to Jesus. (laughs) Anybody else in here feel like I'm kind of like junior varsity in prayer? Anybody? You know, some of you are like, no, I'm the water boy, right? Like Like, I didn't even make the team in prayer, right? Like, I'm on the struggle bus with prayer, right? Like, every time I pray, my mind wanders, and I'm thinking about what I'm going to get at the grocery, right? Some of you are like, I don't even make time for prayer. And usually, like, my prayer is like an explicit using God's name in vain. 
that's when I speak to God, right? Like when someone cuts me off and I blurt his name out loud. Like that's a prayer. It's a hostile prayer. It's probably not a prayer that he's pleased with, but at least I'm addressing him. Some of you are like, I don't know about that preacher. I, yeah, I know. I don't know, right? But most of us would say, no, I, I could really be helped if the Lord Jesus would lean in and teach me to pray. And that's been the whole heartbeat of this, this sermon series. So what we've looked at the last two weeks is, is what Jesus gives us in the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, uh, acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. So if you're just joining us this morning, grab your phone and take a picture of this slide because I learned this as a teenager. And can I tell you, as a 44-year-old adult, this is what I go back to almost every day. And I haven't found anything better because this is... When the disciples said, Lord Jesus, teach us to pray, Jesus said, and when you pray, say, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's where adoration comes from. And then when you trace through the model prayer, the Lord's prayer, you get these other handles. And then when you pivot over to Philippians 4, you see that we're to we're cast our anxieties on, on the Lord. That's supplication where we ask him for these things. Um, Paul says, um, in everything, pray with thanksgiving. Okay? So these are handles that we're wanting to equip the congregation for. So check this out. Teenager, kid, mom, dad, senior adult, you never again have to find yourself in a place where you would say, I don't know what to say to God. I know I ought to pray, but I don't know what to pray. That's been our goal, is to equip you to know how to pray. Because the disciples said, Lord Jesus, teach us to pray. But what we're looking at this morning is there's a problem in our homes. And the problem is, is that our homes, by and large, are marked by a culture of prayerlessness. It's not what you experience in our homes. It's not, what, it's not what's real. You might experience a culture of, of fine dining in our homes. You might experience a culture of people really loving to cook. You might experience a, a culture of your favorite sports teams, but we don't by and large, experience in our homes a culture of prayer. And that's a problem. But here's what I believe. I believe that God desires to be gracious to us, to pour out his spirit in, like on us this morning and move through us to take us a little, a little closer to where he wants us to be. To take a step a little closer to cultivating a culture of prayer. Now here's the deal. When problems arise... You have to know how did that problem arise if you're going to effectively correct it. In, in other words, if you don't know how the problem arose, good luck on correcting it. It's just going to come back over and over again, right? So, so part of the battle of correcting the problem is to know where it came from. How did this problem come about? And this morning what I want to do is I just want to give us like four, four, there's probably many more ways, but four ways that we ended up here. Like how did we end up here? How did you and I end up with a home that doesn't have a robust, vibrant culture of prayer? How did this happen? And the first one is our family. And I don't mean our immediate family, I mean our former immediate family. In other words, many of us, we, we have found ourselves in this place where our current family is not marked by, our current home is not marked by a culture of prayer because we never experienced that in our family of origin. I want you to turn with me, and this is kind of the, the one text that we'll stare at in the sacred scriptures this morning, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Would you turn quickly over in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6? 
If we went around the room this morning, many of you would say, yeah, absolutely. I never remembered my dad praying out loud. That's kind of the mantra of this sermon series is pray out loud at home every day. Some of you are like, man, I, like every day? Like maybe, how about like once to start? Like haven't done that. Let me try that once before I commit to every day or even once a week. Can I just try that out? Yes, that's what this, is, that's what this whole thing's about, right? Like let's try it. Try it out. And we could go around the room this morning and many of you would say, yeah, my mom, I mean, like I never heard her pray out loud or my dad or, you know, or some of, it was, some of you would say, you know what, I grew up in a single, like I had a single parent family and I didn't get to, you know, every now and then we'd go to church, but I, in, in our home, I did not hear my parents cry out to the Lord, worship and adore him, confess their sins to him, thank them for, thank him for the cross and, and, and cry out for, for our needs. Now let me... Let me be clear about something real quick. <laughs> what I'm not talking about is uh, like praying to eat. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? I'm not talking about praying to eat. I'm talking about praying to pray. Because some of us, we kind of grew up with, you know, like we sang a little prayer song, right? God our Father, God our Father. And, and listen, that's better than no song with God at the center of it, right? And that kind of instructs us that God is our Father, right? <laughs> but... I just wonder, I just wonder if like our, if our praying before meals is just like our attempt to try to like somehow sanctify our gluttony. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, like, like somehow like, the, our, like our praying before we eat is somehow a way to like make our gluttony sacred and less sinful. I don't know, I don't know if this will resonate with anybody, but it's like we pray to eat, not pray to pray. Like, that's the only time we pray is we pray to eat. And it's almost like we don't say this, but it's almost like, Lord, I'm going to eat too much. But I sure thank you for this food. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not talking about, like, praying to eat. I'm talking about praying to pray. And one of the reasons that our current home doesn't experience a robust culture of prayer is because our, we didn't experience it in our family. Look at Deuteronomy 6 to see the heartbeat of God for families. Look at this. You have in, picking up in verse 4, what's known as the Shema. Look at it, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Church, if you're with me, say, I'm with you. Look at verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Look at verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Well, when should I do that? And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. <laughs> it's like you talk about the Lord all the time. In the morning, and in the noonday, and in the afternoon. I remember I was at Starbucks once, and I always try to, like, check in with my kids and ask how things are doing, you know. Um, and um, I, was, I was with my oldest son, and I asked him, you know, hey, like, how, you know, how are things, you know. And I, I think I asked him, like, um, does it feel weird growing up in a pastor's family? And I think he said, no, it's normal. You know, like, it feel normal. And I'm like, thank you, God. Like, I want, you, I want it to feel normal to you. And, um, and I said, well, you know, what about, like, like, what about, like, how much we talk about God, you know? And he's like, ah, sometimes it's a little much. <laughs> and and I, opened up, I opened up to this text, 
and I just said, I said, read verse 7. You shall, you'll, you shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, you know. And so, like, he read it, and he just laughed. He's like, uh, you, you know. He didn't say you're doing good, Dad, but that was kind of the laugh. That, you know, it's, I, I received that through his laugh, you know, like, okay, Dad, you're, you know, you answer to him, not me. I, you're doing good, Dad, right? There, when you see the heartbeat that God had for families, you see that God intended parents to talk about God in their home a little much. A little much. Not a little, little but a little much, all the time, morning, noon, night. Like, like, like our, our whole home should orient around the, presence, the, around the presence of God. And for many of us, listen, for many of us, the reason we are where we are, it's not because like we chose it, it's just like it's how we were shaped in our current family. But here's the good news, you can change that. You can be the first to totally change the next generations to come in your family. You know, the scripture says that the Lord's mercies are new every morning. When you read through the scripture, you see that God is doing a new thing. And this is what I believe, church. You may not have grown up in a family that didn't have a robust culture of prayer, but that is not your destiny. Because you now can shape a family and lead a family and introduce prayer and a culture of prayer into your home. Dads, where are you? Moms, where are you? You today can determine to change the destiny of your kids, even though it's not what you got. You can change it. If you choose by God's spirit, trusting in his grace, you may be like, man, I don't, I don't know. Well, the next thing that would stand in our way, and, and it's, it's the next thing that got us here is fear. For some of you, you've known for years, I ought to lead my family in prayer. But, but fear creeps in, and fear, it's like, well, like, are they... Like, are they going to think I'm an idiot? Like, are they going to pray with me? Are they, are they going to? Some, sometimes we're afraid that we're not going to be able to sustain what we start. Okay, like, like if I start it now, like, am I going to be able to follow through long term? Ah, and, and we just end up not starting because we're afraid that we can't keep it up, you know. Jesus said, look, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has, today... Today has enough worries of its own, so don't worry about tomorrow. I'm going to take care of tomorrow. You worry about today, right? So you don't need to think about next week. You don't think about next month, next year. You need to think about today. You need to overcome that fear. For some of you, the idea of praying out loud, what, what you're afraid of is not saying the right words, saying it weird, having a kid laugh, like them just not getting on board. But you know, one of my favorite verses in all the scripture is Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. And God, and God was speaking to Joshua, and Joshua had like a major like spiritual reality in front of him to lead God's people. And he was tempted to be afraid. And, and God said to Joshua, do not be afraid. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. So, so mom and dad, listen to me. If you reflect upon your life and you reflect upon the prayerlessness of your home, and you think, yeah, I've just, I've just been afraid. I've been afraid they won't, they won't go with me. I've, I've been afraid I won't be able to continue it on. I've been afraid that I'll say the wrong words. Listen, the Lord says to you today, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Here's the good news. You can overcome what's been true perhaps of generations in your family. 
You can overcome the fear today that has ruled in your heart for so long. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. So fear in your heart is not of God, it's of the devil. And by God's grace, you can repent of fear today by trusting the Lord. Trusting that God's going to give you the words. You know, when Jesus was making, when Jesus was discipling his disciples, he told them, listen, you're going to be persecuted and you're going to be brought before uh, rulers and governors in this persecution. He said, do not worry about what you will say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words in that day. He'll give you the words. And mom and dad, I say to you today, listen, don't worry about what you're going to say in prayer. The Lord will give you the words to say to him. He'll give you the word. Indeed, we find in the scripture lots of words that God has given to say to us. So how did we end up here? Well, our family didn't shoot us in the right direction. For some of us, it's fear. Others of us, like some of us would say, you know what? My family did pray. And I'm not really afraid. I'm just forgetful. Anybody? And, it's, and for some of us, it's not forgetfulness. It's fatigue. So, so like, it's like we sit down in the chair when the day is over and we're, we're not forgetting to pray. We're just too tired. It's like, I'm exhausted. Like I've been, I've been doing responsibilities all day long. When I get home, I don't need another responsibility to lead my family in prayer, right? Some of us forget and some of us get fatigued. But listen to what the sacred scriptures say. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, Paul wrote and he said, pay close attention to your life and doctrine for in doing so you will save both your life and your hearers did you hear that he said pay close attention why did he say pay close attention well he knew we'd be forgetful about stuff right so how so how do you overcome forgetfulness pay really close attention pay really close attention have you ever had a conversation with your spouse and them looking at their phone And then they get done saying, and they say, did you hear what I said? No. (laughs) Like, we just have a deal. Like, if I'm looking at my phone, like I've told Susan, I am not hearing you if I'm looking at my phone. I just, like, I'm not that impressive of a human being, and I can't do both at the same time. Some of you may be able to. I ain't got it. Um, And in order for me to hear my sweet spouse, I have to pay really close attention. I have to look her in the eye, not in my phone, and pay really close attention. And, and if, if forgetfulness trips you up and you don't have a culture of prayer in your home because you just forget, the Lord exhorts us today and he says that can change by you paying close attention to your life. Not casually coasting, but paying really close attention. Well, what if I'm tired? What if I'm tired? Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says this, listen. Do not grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in doing good. Why do you have all these commandments in Scripture? (laughs) Pay close attention, right? Don't grow weary. Why? Because it's like the Lord's gracious assistance to us because he knew we would be forgetful and he knew we would be tired. He just knew we'd we'd be tempted to coast and we'd just be tempted to veg when we get home. And he said, don't do that. Pay close attention and don't grow weary. Listen, it's stunning. It is stunning when you think about the potential of what you're gonna deposit into the hearts and lives of your kids, if you pay close attention and you don't don't grow weary and you choose to pray, to pray in your home. And you start today. It's just stunning to imagine what kind of adults might my kids become 
how natural and easy might it be for them in their homes to have a culture of prayer if I start today. Now listen, this is not the day that you beat yourself up for being like a prayer loser. <laughs> We're not going to have any of that here, all right? That's not allowed around here, right? Therefore, Paul wrote in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? So if you're a child of God, there is no self-condemning allowed here, all right? There's no self-shaming in this place. Listen, Jesus took your shame on the cross. Out of love, he poured it out, right? So, so we're not going to allow you to beat yourself up over, like, you know, how terrible you think you are at prayer. The goal of today is for you to be inspired by the love of God, for you to have a vision for your home, for you to have a positive, powerful vision of the future for your family, and for you to kick it in gear, leading your family toward that vision. Right on? Do you see that? The Apostle Paul said it this way, I forget what is behind and I press on to take hold of what is in the future. So we want to reflect upon how did we get here, but we don't want to stew on it. We want to understand how we got here, but we don't want to camp out there. And some of us got here because of our family. Some of us got here because of fear. Some of us got here because of forgetfulness, fatigue, and fatigue. But some of us, we just, we are where we are because of folly. It's, it's just foolish. It's just foolish. Maybe mom and dad prayed a lot. Maybe we grew up in a great church where we heard praying a lot. And maybe we're not afraid. Maybe we're like, man, nothing scares me. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to pray. I'll pray. I'm not scared of that. And you're like, I mean, some of you are like, I'm not tired. I got gas in the tank at the end of the day. I'm not tired. And I'm not forgetful. My wife, she's forgetful. I'm not forgetful. No, but you're foolish. You're foolish if you're unwilling to cultivate a culture of prayer in your home. Psalm 53 verse 1 says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. The fool. And listen, when our homes are marked by a culture of prayerlessness, we are functionally saying there is no God. There is no God. What does it look like to functionally say there is a God? It's to speak his praise in prayer in our home. What does it functionally look like to say there is a God? It's to confess our sins because the scripture says, against you only have we sinned, Lord. What does it look like to, to have a culture of prayer in our home? It's to thank the Lord because we recognize we've worked hard, but it's the Lord who gave us the energy to work. Do you see it? So we speak out our thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for the education you gave me. Thank you for the energy you gave me. Thank you for the good health you gave me. Thank you for the favor you gave me at my work, right? And then functionally to say God is there, we recognize our need to ask him for things, to ask him for things. Do you see that? It's the fool. It's the fool that says there is no God. So some of you would say, well, there's a God. I know there's a God. I believe in God. I believed in God for my whole life. I believed in God, right? But you're functioning as though God is not there because you're not praising him and you're not confessing your sins to him and you're not thanking him for all the good gifts in your life. And you're not praying, asking him to bless you of all the, with all the things you need. Church, do you see it? Here's what I believe. I believe God has you here on purpose this morning, and it's not an accident you're here. And, and I believe that you're here to be reminded that he loves you with his perfect, unfailing love, and he has something better. Has something better. Has something a little, a little better than what you've experienced. I'm just believing that. You know, as we, as we think about prayer this morning, we remember it's Jesus who made prayer possible. 
He made prayer possible. In other words, it was our sin that blocked our relationship with God. It was our sin that broke our relationship with God. And Jesus came and he made war on our sin and he crushed our sin so that we could be reunited with God. Jesus was victorious over our sin, dying for our sin, and rising from the dead. Victorious over our sin so that we could speak to God anytime, any day, however we're feeling it, pouring out our heart to him. Isn't that great? This morning, we're going to come to Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper. And this is like the perfect reminder that God loved us so much that he sacrificed his own son so that we could enjoy a relationship with him and we could enjoy that relationship with him through prayer. We can enjoy that. So it's wrong to talk about prayer and not talk about how has God provided prayer. He provided it through his son. It's Jesus who made prayer possible for us. Um, in your worship program this morning, we've just supplied this, this prayer guide. And, and I just jotted down just a, like a dozen, a dozen prayers of adoration, a dozen prayers of confession, a dozen prayers of thanksgiving and supplication. And, and, and these, there's nothing fancy about these. These are just to give you examples of when I don't know what prayer of adoration to pray, I can look down here and I, I've got a dozen options here. And then, and then the cool thing is, is when you start praying a couple of these, you're going to come up with your own prayers of adoration to pray to God, Right. So, so for some of you families, you just need to grab this and you just need to get around the table tonight um, before you eat. <laughs> or after, you know, or, or this afternoon, you know. Um, and you just need to say, okay, let's, let's take this and let's use this. And let's start something new today. Let, let's take this simple resource and let's start something new today. And if we by faith are willing to step into this today, what, what might God do tomorrow? But let's leave that up to him. And let's just start today. So here's what I want us to do. I just want us to reflect. I want us to reflect on how did we get here? How now knowing and how we got here, how do we overcome it? And reflect upon the love of God. Listen, that he knows you and he loves you and he sent Jesus to make prayer possible for you and me. So before we come, before our servers come to the communion tables, before they come, let's just sit in this moment and let's prepare our hearts to come to Holy Communion, understanding the great sacrifice that Jesus endured to make prayer possible. And again, this is not the moment that we beat ourselves up or we feel sorry for Jesus for what he did. Listen, this is the moment that we stand in victory. This is the moment that we rejoice that God loves us with a perfect, unfailing love. And he likes to love us. And he wants to love us. And nobody's twisting his arm to love us. But God loves us because God is love. So let's reflect. In just a moment, we'll come and we'll take the bread. We'll tear it off. We'll dip it in the cup. And this is, this is what Jesus gave to his, his disciples, his church, for us to remember his death, his resurrection. So let's sit in this and remember. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.